Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. All right, if you have your Bibles, grab those. Steve, Steve's asking for some people to sit with him in the front, so he just wants some friends in the front. If you need a Bible, um, BT's coming to grab it right now for you. I don't usually come this far down because I just usually sit up there, but I may have to with this sound thing going on. Um, so yeah, grab one of these Bibles if you need it. Um, so this is a unique week because uh, I have rarely asked people to come, like, hey, be there on Sunday. And then, of course, the Sunday I ask it, it is the absolute most horrendous parking I've ever seen. Like, it's worse than July 4th weekend. Um, so you're welcome for that. You got your exercise in, so you're good for the week with your marathon walk. Um, so this week, well, let me show you the passage we're going through. I'll give you some guidance on where we're headed because I'll show you the passage. This is Hebrews 10, 24, and 25. And in this book, it's, it, we don't know who wrote it. Uh, it has been attributed to Paul for a long time, but it really doesn't look like he wrote it because it's not his style of writing. And so in this passage, um, if we could get that up, Dave, if, if you know how to do some magic. It's Hebrews 10, 24, and 25, and this is what it says. Um, I have it memorized, but sometimes when you're up here and your friend who you haven't seen in a long time who's in town, Troy Mothershead, where are you, Troy? Yeah, I'm going to make you stand in a second here, so just kind of get ready for that. Um, so he's throwing me off my game. By the way, he, he finished third at the U.S. Open this weekend in the Vans uh, Duct Tape Invitational. So, we'll shout out. So, in this passage uh, that we're looking at here, it's, it's Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. And it says that we need to continue to meet together. Let us not stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So it says, uh, Hebrews 10, 24, let us not stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. So let us not stop meeting together. And I was listening to sports radio, because that's what I do, and as I was listening to it, this, the, I don't know why it came up, but this one guy asked the other guy, hey, did you go to church? He goes, no. I'm always at church. And I'm like, what the heck are they talking about? Like, we should be talking about the Lakers right now. What are you guys talking about? And the one guy says, you know, every night I talk to my good Lord. And I was like, well, that's what, not what it means to go to church. And then some of you, and I'm going to church this morning, and you came here. Coming here doesn't mean that you went to church. Like, we call this Sunday morning church, but that's not what church is. What church is, is us. Let us not stop meeting together. Well, who are the us? It's the church. Let us, the church, not stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage each other. And all the more as we see the day approaching. Now, you could throw that out. We, we look at the scripture. But let's put this in very practical terms. Because C.S. Lewis said it perfect. He had a friend that died. He had this crew of guys that he hung with. Some of them were famous. Some of them weren't. Um, but they would all go to this one bar 
and they would hang out together, and they would be together. Believers, they all followed Jesus. They were amazing guys. At least that's what C.S. Lewis said. And so they'd all be together, and one of them passed away. The guy that passed away, his name was Charles. And he said, you know, when Charles passed away, he said, we were all really bummed, but he said there was beauty to it as well, because he goes, I got to spend more time with Frank, and Charles wasn't a rival in that. Now you hear that, and you're like, how dare he say that? Well, he said it, because he just says what he thinks. And so he said, you know, Charles, when he was gone, I got to spend more time with Frank, but what I found out is I got less of Frank when Charles wasn't there. Because when Charles was there, he brought out stuff in Frank that wasn't there, and he brought out stuff in me, and he brought stuff out of me and Frank that wasn't there because Charles was there. Okay, Troy, I warned you. Here's your time. Okay, stand up, Troy. So Troy's standing up. So this is my buddy, Troy. So Troy and I have been friends for a long time, and then right behind him is Dave. Dave, can you stand up? Jansen. And Dave and I have been friends for a long time. So we've all three known each other for a while. Um, they're not usually that shade of red, but so now we're going to eliminate Troy. Troy died yesterday at the Vans U.S. Open of Service. So now I get more time with Dave, okay? The beauty is, is that Dave and I lose out because Troy's no longer there. Okay, Dave, you can sit down. That's kind of what C.S. Lewis meant. Now, we have people that are out of town. We have people that aren't around. And so when we're together... When there are people that aren't here, we miss out on who we, this is the way C.S. Lewis said, he said, if that's going to be that way with people, then how much more so in the body of Christ? The body of Christ. Like if your arm is missing, your leg loses out. My friend yesterday was over at our house and he he severed the tendon in his bicep, so he has to have surgery on Wednesday. He goes, oh, I'll go play tennis because I'm right-handed. Well, he's out there with his right arm, and every time he swung, he's like, oh, his left arm would hurt because the tendon was missing. He's like, well, I'm just using my right arm. Why would that hurt? Because that's the way it works. That's the way it works in your body. When one thing goes down, the rest, the rest of the body has to pay the price. And so when we say, let us not stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, we benefit when you are here and you benefit when someone else is here. And we're not just talking about Sunday mornings. This particular passage is talking about their weekly gathering. And I used to think weekly gatherings, because I didn't grow up in the church, and so every time I see things the church does, I'm like, that's dumb. We should do it different. We can do it better. So when we first planted branches, we said, why do we have to meet on a Sunday morning? Why do we all have to meet together at all? What if we took this whole group, because we had this small group that was planted in the church about... 20, 30 of us or so, and as we were getting ready to launch the church, which means invite others to join us, I said, you know what? Let's take a month off of this Sunday business, and let's just have our own individual groups. Let's just break up and do our individual groups. And I was thinking, this is what we're going to do in the long haul. We're going to revolutionize the way it's done, because we don't need to copy what everybody's done. We're going to do it the right way. Yeah, that's what you do when you're arrogant. So we, we did that for a month. And about two or three weeks in, I knew something was missing. And this is a guy that didn't grow up going to church. But I knew something was missing. I, I knew something was missing in me. There were, I don't even know how to put it into words. But when, when we got back together, I went, this is right. I don't know how to explain it, but this scripture does it better than anything. 
let us not stop giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Because when we got back together, there was this encouragement, this thing that happened that I can't explain. But there's very few people when they come together in the body of Christ and we're all together go, and they leave, go, you know what? That was a real waste of time. I shouldn't have even done that. It's like my kids, when I try to take them to the beach and go surfing, they're like, I don't know if the waves are good enough. I don't know if I should. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Don't become old guy. Don't be called, become old woman and go, oh, it's not good enough for me. Just go. Like, you'll enjoy it. Very rarely when they get out from surfing, they go, I wish I hadn't done that. There are times. <laughs> but it's very rare. When it comes to the community of faith, it's going to be very rare that you go, that was a waste. Even if you had to walk four miles. Or for you this morning, six miles. And it's not because of the worship music, and it's not because of the message. It's not because of the donuts. It's not because somebody watched your kids. It's something else. It's, and God doesn't have to explain himself, but he's trying to push us in his word and not just in this place. This is my favorite passage so, on this topic, so I, I chose this one. And it was on my heart. It was on my heart for, well, months now. And, um, and that's why we're looking at it this morning because there's all these things that get in the way of us meeting together. It's much like the parable of, um, of the seed. You know, Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And he, he, he describes this farmer throwing seed out. And he says, some of it takes root in different kinds of soil and some doesn't. And some of the ways that this early church, one of the reasons they, that, that the writer of Hebrews had to say this, he said, let us consider how we may spur one another, one another on towards love and good deeds. And let us not stop giving up meeting together. The reason they primarily stopped meeting together is because they were getting killed. Because physically being killed, some of them were being ostracized, meaning they were, um, because they were making a decision now to follow Jesus, the Jews were like, whoa, 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 what's up with this cult? What are you guys doing? Because, and I thought about that just this morning, because the Jews were waiting for Messiah. When you think about it, there's never a convenient time for the Messiah to show up. I never thought about that before. Because when he shows up, everything has to change. And so a lot of people weren't open to the change. They're like, no, it can't be. This Jesus couldn't have been the Messiah. Because once he comes, everything has to turn upside down and nobody likes change. And so if they had made a decision to meet together as a bunch of believers following Jesus, some of them were going to lose their jobs, some of them were going to lose friends family, and some of, them, some of them are going to lose their life. And so we talk about the parable of the soil, and some of it fell into rocky ground, and then the sun came up, and, and because the, the soil was thin, it scorched them, and then Jesus explained that, saying, hey, it got tough. It got tough. And so the kingdom of God wasn't able to grow up in these people's lives. And in a lot of ways, they stopped meeting together because it was tough, and the writer of Hebrews is saying, no, 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 stay the course, guys. Like, stay to it so that God can move, even in the midst of persecution and difficulty or a long walk or your kids screaming or whatever it is that's going on. Like, don't stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing it. And why does that become a habit? Because it's difficult. We all know how that is. I mean, church can sometimes become like, well, like your membership to 24-hour fitness. Like, you got the membership card, and you go for a while, but let's face it, like, who really wants to go there and work out? I'm sorry if anyone here owns the place or is a trainer there. 
It could be the same with a CrossFit place or Pilates or Cycle Barn or whatever it is you're a part of. But it, you got that membership card and you start going and it's a very hard habit to keep because you're basically saying, I've got to make a sacrifice and go into this and be a part of this. And then you go there and you're, you're like, you feel good. Like nobody goes and goes, that was a complete waste of time. You feel good about it and then you leave. But it's a very hard habit to keep no matter how good it may be for your body. And yet... Somehow we just keep that membership card. I'm part of that place. I don't go. Don't really know anybody there, but I'm in. And we can treat the community of faith that way. But we're the ones losing out. And not only are we losing out, but others are. And I know a lot of you are visiting from other churches. And I'm saying your community of faith is greater when you are there. And I'll say this too, because this is another reason some people will, will stop being, meeting together, because they got hurt. In the parable of the talents, it talks about throwing the, the seed on the ground, it said some of it was on a path. Well, how do you get a path? Think about it. You ever think about how you get a path? I mean, of course, nowadays, you know, we get out there and we pat it down and we make it happen, but most paths at this time were made because people just kept walking on it. And many of you in a community of faith had been walked on. And many of you have walked on others. You've done both if you've been a part of the human race, whether you're in a community of faith or not. Because in a church, it's not the only place that people hurt each other. People hurt people. And hurt people hurt people. And since everybody hurts, that means every person is hurt to some degree or another. It's what we do. And so in a lot of ways, we can relate with this early church because we're like, it's a hard habit to keep because of what I experienced. Or maybe I experienced something somewhere else. It has nothing to do with the community of faith. But if I get closer to people, something's going to go down. Because it's always happened. And so why wouldn't it happen again? And there's other, other reasons we don't, um, you know, in this church as well, other reasons people didn't get together. Some have just, they've lost interest. They get all excited. It talks about in the parable of the, um, of the seeds, the seeds thrown and then it, it says it sprouts up right away. And then in the other one, it says that the, it, it grew up, but there was weeds that grew around it. And Jesus explains those weeds as the cares of this world. You know, it's difficult sometimes with work, with football, with kids' sports, with, I don't know, I'm here all the time, so I don't really know what else is going on right now. But like vaca vacation, whatever it is, there's stuff that gets in the way of wanting to be with a community of faith. Because we have other good stuff that's happening. Not bad stuff, but good stuff. And so the idea of being together, there's all these distractions. And so it's a hard habit to keep. It's hard. Really hard. So all of these we can relate with when we look at this early church. We can understand. And yet, one of their leaders, the writer of Hebrews says, But let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So right here when it says, let us consider how we may spur one another on towards loving good deeds. That word spur, it's not a comfortable word. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's not the word that they would use for taking the little, I don't know what they're called, spurs, I guess. They're on boots and you ram it against the horse and it causes the horse to move forward. Um, 
It's not that word, but it means the same thing. And that's why in English we translate it spur. It's not a comfortable word. It's like, it's not jab, because when we say jab, that's a negative, but it's, it's, that, it's that pushing, and it's not a comfortable feeling. So if you've ever been spurred on towards something that you know you want to do and that you should do and is good to do, but you didn't really like the way that felt, that's called spurring. And there's this thing that guys do. Girls, girls do it differently. Women do it differently. But in guys' groups in, in the community of faith, in the Christian faith, we've got these groups, and a lot of times they'll call them accountability groups. You guys ever heard that? Anyone ever heard that term, accountability group? Okay, question. Do any women have accountability groups? Okay, so that's what you guys call accountability Okay, so here at Branches, we don't call them accountability groups for one reason and, uh, well, a large reason. Because accountability group means let's all get together and let's make sure you don't screw up. Let's make sure you don't screw up. Let's make sure you don't screw up, okay? We're all going to watch together. Let's not mess this up, right? Because that's accountability. Make sure you don't mess things up. But what we're supposed to call each other to do is not play defense, but to be offense. Let's see how much we can screw up this messed up world. Let's see how much of a force of love we can be. I want to spur you on to make a difference, to be the best you can be, to, to, to go for it, to pour your life out for others. Not, hey, don't watch that. Don't put that in your body. Don't say this. Instead, do this, do that. If we focus on what we should be doing, we don't have to worry about what is killing us and killing others. Instead, we will be a reckless force for God's love. Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Encourage. That's, you never think about these words until you come on a Sunday morning. But that's it. if I had to ask you what the word means and broke you guys into groups, which I'm not going to do this time, you're welcome. <laughs> if you break it in half, I think you guys could figure it out. Encourage. Encouraging. Pretty easy one, isn't it? Like to put courage inside. By you being here, by you meeting with others during the week, by you doing life together like um, our group did last night, just a bunch of friends that we've been walking with each other and our commitment is to build courage into each other. Not to just keep each other from doing bad things, not to make sure that all of our kids don't do drugs, but to encourage each other, to put courage in. And that can take many different forms, but bottom line, we were meant to be with each other to build courage in. Jesus could have easily come and announced, this is the way life should be, and take off all by himself. But he lived in community. He chose disciples. He chose that Jewish model of students, apprentices, following him and watching everything he did. Because that's what a disciple, a student does. It's an apprentice, a person that watches everything they do. And if you watch Jesus, he grew up in community. He grew up in a Jewish community. They do life together. I mean, if we need to look into the Jewish community and go, why did they do it this way? Because Jesus could have come in any way, but he came into the Jewish community where they do life together. When he was like 12 years old, they all came in, in carts and horses and mules, and they all went into Jerusalem together, and they all left together, so much so that they forgot him. 
Because there were so many of them doing life together, like, wait, we forgot Jesus. Where is he? Where's that 12-year-old? And they all went back to go get him because they're doing life together. And then when he started his ministry, when he started his ministry, he started gathering people around him. He didn't just go on a speaking tour by himself. He went with people. And Jesus needed encouragement. On the night that he was betrayed, as he's walking forward, he says, hey, you three, Peter, James, John, I need you guys with me. Need. He needed courage put into him. How do you do that? Well, just go pray, Jesus. Come on, do you really need people? Just go, you and God. No, he needed people. We need people, and people need us. That's how this works. That's why Jesus modeled that. This is how it should be done. And yet, when we do that, we get our butts kicked. And it's like, really? This was a dumb idea, God. You should have come up with a much safer, easier plan. Because we all have expectations of how we should be treated. We all have expectations of how this should be done. And yet we run into these situations where it's not done that way. I was going to share this later, but I'm going to share it now. Because it seems like the appropriate time. Because usually you want to share an application at the end, right? Like, hey, this is what you do with this. But I'm going to do it now because it's appropriate in light of what I just shared. So Jesus is modeling this. And he says, let us get together and encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. And yet, as a, a, a people, when people gather, whether in the church, whether they're on the baseball team, whether they're at work, we're a bunch of rocks. And we bump up against each other. And when we start bumping up against each other, it does not feel good. And you just want to stop that feeling, and so you move away. Well, if you go and look at this jetty, this jetty that, well, you guys can see it. You guys are getting ripped off. You can't see the jetty from here. But if you were to look through and see the jetty, on this side of the jetty, the rocks are sharp because they don't get beat on. On the other side, they're rounded off. If you go to Sano um, and you look on the beach, the rocks are all round. They didn't just fall off the mountains that way. They were banging against each other for years, and the water was going over them, banging them, and making them bang against each other. And it's much like the Spirit of God taking these rocks and taking us and making us bang against each other like a rock tumbler, and then we get softened up. We get rounded out. Isn't that what you really want? To be healthier? And yet that's not going to happen without us being together. And in the community of faith, there's all kinds of things that we do together. When we say that we're going to do life together, you will bang up against each other. Now, as I share this, as I start going through this, these are, these are some practical examples from branches, but none of them are specific examples. And you're going to think, oh, they're talking about me. They're talking, does he know about my situation? Is that why he's giving this sermon? No, because this happens all the time. Since I've started following Jesus when I was a junior in high school, I've seen this happen time and time again. Because people bump up against each other in different aspects, and stuff goes down. In the junior high group, guaranteed, one kid hurt another kid's feelings, and then that kid told the parent, and then that parent is upset at that other parent because, hey, your kid did that. That stuff happens. And so you're like, I'm out. Either that or you're just like kind of staring them down. And if you're a dad, you're like this. And if you're a mama, you're a mama bear. And so you do some damage because that's what mamas do. If it's the children's ministry, um, 
There was someone that was supposed to show up to, to serve that day, but they didn't, so you had to come out and serve, and you're not going to say anything to them, but you can't believe they do that. And then four weeks later, they do the same thing again, and then three months later, they do the same thing again. You're like, oh my gosh. And then all of a sudden, someone in leadership of the women's ministry calls you and says, hey, can you help out with this? And you're like, yeah, I'll help out, but someone else didn't get invited to help out. And they're like, oh, oh, I can't help out? Well, you ask them all the time? In fact, I was told this when we planted the church. I was out in Wisconsin, and these other church planters were like, hey, don't even have a women's ministry. <laughs> I was like, what? Like, I'm telling you. These were like old dudes, like 70, 80 years old. And they said, and they were being very honest. They said, I've seen more churches being blown apart from women's ministry than anything else. Okay, you want to know why it happens more with women's ministry than men's ministry? Because men's ministry are too disorganized to ever get together to run into each other. <laughs> but the women, they love to be together. And when they're together that much, something's going to go down. It just happens. And I don't even know what it, but I know it happens. And the dudes have started getting together more and more. And you know what's happened? Stuff. Because that's what happens. We did, a, we did a, a vacation Bible school with another church. From what I heard, everything was awesome. I know for a fact there's no possible way that could have happened because someone got their feelings hurt. It happens because especially when you have one community of faith mixing with another community of faith and they do it together, they're going to do it different. So even though I've heard nothing guaranteed, someone said, oh, I can't believe those people do it that way. Or some parent said, oh, my God, did you see how that kid was dressed? We would never do that hair. Or some... <laughs> dude showed up in sandals and some person showed up in a suit and some girl showed up with cleavage showing and someone else showed up with what, what's the flowery stuff up here called that women wear what like very conservative okay what a very conservative collar whatever those are called um i remember michelle johnson uh from branches she she came she was invited by some friends to come and she came the first time and she hadn't been in church in years and so she said i could share this story whenever she came in and she was dressed like, like that. And she called the caller a certain thing that I can't remember. And she had her dress on and she looked around and she's like, what? You mean I didn't have to wear this? Next week she came, she goes, I just came in my running shoes and my shorts. I feel better. <laughs> so everyone thinks they know how it should go. And so there's going to be this, this tension. This and so some people stop meeting together because they got their feelings hurt. And sometimes justifiably so. Sometimes because someone gossiped. You know what? That's going to happen again. Is it right? No. But that stuff happens because that's what happens when we come together. And yet the right of Hebrews is saying, let us not stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And it's, it's a habit because nobody wants to feel that. Some of you have been abused, and I'm not using that word lightly, whether outside the church or inside the church or in both but that is not a reason to stop meeting together because you need that courage put inside of you. And more importantly, you need to stay in the body of Christ because the body of Christ needs you. We are here on this earth to give. That's why we're here. And so we need to use those gifts, we need to discover those gifts, and we need to share those. At the sickest times I've been in the past seven months, the point where I'm like, I can't get out of bed, and people would come, and I'd be with people, and there's this energy that's created. And I'm not an extrovert. So it's not like, oh, great, I get to be with people. I am not an extrovert. But it's that, that 
that beauty that you can't put your finger on. When people come together, God moves. And yet, when we look at this, we're like, how in the world are we going to do this? How in the world are we supposed to live this out? We look at Jesus. See, because in the book of Hebrews, if we could go to, to this slide, um, just before this, in Hebrews 10, 12, and all through from Hebrews uh, chapter 10, verse 1, all the way through, the writer of Hebrews is just talking about Jesus and the sacrifice that he's made for us because he loves us. Can you, can you find that case, the slide, Hebrews 10, verse 12? And this is from the message translation. It says, Christ made a single sacrifice for sins, and that was it. And then he sat down right beside God and waited for his enemies to cave in. I love that. It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person to perfect some very imperfect people. And then right here, Hebrews 10, 19. So, friends, we can now, without hesitation, walk right up to God into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. Another way to look at this is that you need to know, no matter what you've done, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're going to do, no matter of your background or your present ground or your future ground, Christ will always want, hunger, and fight to be with you, to be with us. God will never give up on us. Regardless of what we've done, what we're going to do, or what we're doing now, he is passionately, recklessly in love with us. And he will be reckless to win back that relationship. And as we watch him, as we look at this whole thing of Hebrews, then, then that's when the writer of Hebrews says, so, in view of this, spur one another on towards this same type of life, sacrificing for each other, putting courage into each other, Love and good deeds and putting courage into each other. I was reading a book this week, um, Wrinkle in Time. I read it as a kid. I didn't know there was more than one book, so I kept reading them. I'm on book five, the last one. It's getting a little slow. And in that book, they had this conversation, and one, one of the ladies says, Jesus did not have to die on the cross. And as I read that, I was like, warning, 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 warning. Where are we headed? And yet she's right. Jesus did not have to die on the cross. He chose to die on the cross. It wasn't the nails that kept him up on the cross. It was love for us and your enemies and the ones that hurt you. That's what kept him on the cross. Pontius Pilate was like, do you realize, Mr. Jesus, I can set you free right now or I can sentence you to death. And I love Jesus' response. This is the book translation. Oh, really? At any moment, I could call angels and be out of here. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal life. For God so loved that he gave. We can look at that love. We can look at that passion 
And that's what can encourage us. That's what can draw us to want to give to each other through all the obstacles that we have to push through to be with each other. Because the path of least resistance, the path with no sacrifice, is just not meet together. Why do I want to join one of those groups? Why do I want to go on the men's retreat? Why do I want to do the women's thing? Why do I want to come on a Sunday morning? Why do I want to make those things? Because sometimes we get to that point where I'm like, do I really believe this? That's one of the reasons some of people stop meeting. They're like, should I? Or is this really necessary? Much like the guy on the radio, like, I can just do this. Is it really important to be together? Well, that's where it comes down to the line of, are we following Jesus? Because when you make the decision to follow Jesus, you make the decision to make the hard work of meeting together. Because it is hard. It is not easy. I was sitting there this morning going, I don't think I can stand up this morning. I don't have the strength this morning. And I just went, Lord, you've done it time and time again. I've heard it said time and time again, like especially last year, when the breathing was so bad and I'd be coughing the whole time and I'd come up here to speak and all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, I'm not coughing. And friends that knew me were like, what the heck happened to you? As afterwards when I leave and I walk back, I'm, not, I'm coughing again. Why? I don't know. <laughs> because God shows up among his people when he needs to encourage us, he does it. When he needs to give us the strength, he does. And so for us to continue to meet together, it's not easy. And this doesn't just apply to the church. It applies <laughs> It applies in marriage, it applies in parenting, it applies to family and work, it applies there. However, the writer of Hebrews was talking to the church and he was talking to small churches. So I'll close with this, what does this look like? What does it look like to follow Jesus in this? What does it look like that Jesus loved us so much that he chose to give his life? What does it look like for us to continue meeting together and to encourage one another? as we see the day approaching. Like what does that practically look like? How am I supposed to love the people around? How do I do that? What does that look like? Well, it's gonna look like sacrifice because it is a sacrifice. I'm not here to go, hey, you do this, you're gonna feel better, you're gonna lose 10 pounds, you're gonna look great, skin, your hair's gonna grow back. We're not giving a message to try to persuade you what you're going to get. It's what you were made to do, which is to give. It's what Jesus did, it's what we're called to do when we do it Something beautiful happens. So there was a boy. He, um, he was seven years old, and he had an older sibling who uh, needed a blood transfusion. And if, and if they didn't get the blood transfusion, his um, older sister would die. And so, you know, he heard the conversation, and because of uh, adoption issues, basically, because they were siblings and the parents weren't, he was the only one that was a match for her. And, you know, he's hearing this discussion. Nobody asked him to do anything. And so he just said, I'll do it, I'll do it. What do we need to do? Let's do this thing right now. And he knew that they were going to give him an IV and blood was going to come out and it was going to go and it was going to go into her. And so they, they go to the hospital. They go to the sterilized room and they put the IV in and, and they've got the blood going out and he sees the tube, and he sees the blood leaving. His parents are there holding his hands. And as it's leaving, you know, he's getting a little dizzy. And so he looks over at his parents, and he goes, Mom, Dad, is, is this when I start to die? That's what he thought was going to happen. He thought, okay, so I'm dying now. And he looked at him, confused, obviously. 
But that's what he thought he was giving because he loved his sister so much. That's what Jesus has done for us. That's how much God loves us. That's what it looks like for us to give to each other. It feels like dying. As Jesus said, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, unless we die, we remain by ourselves alone. But if we die, we bear much fruit. And one last scripture I want to read to you. And you've heard this at weddings all the time. And usually you hear this talking about a relationship between a man and a woman. But this is a passage that is couched in the fact that Paul is saying you are the body of Christ. Now, as it says here in 1 Corinthians 12, you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. A hand can't say to the foot, hey, you're not part of me and I'm not part of you. Like, you can say it all you want, but it's not the truth. It's the same with us. And so in the context of that, that's when we hear this truth that love is patient, love is kind. So I'm gonna go through that passage, but I want you to think of it differently. I'm gonna invite the worship team up and I wanna invite all of you to stand, and I want you to hear this passage in a new light. This is what it means for us to encourage one another. This is what it means for us to sacrifice for each other. This is what it means for us to be, as Acts 2.42 says, to be devoted to one another. This is 1 Corinthians 13.4, and I know you've heard it in weddings, and you think that's where it belongs, and it can be shared there, because it's true there as well. But it was meant for us, it was meant for Shoreline, it was meant for St. Edwards, it was meant for Saddleback, it was meant for La Red in El, in El Salvador, it was meant for North Rise in Zambia, it was meant for the body of Christ. And wherever you see the word love, put your name in there. So as I'm reading through there, if someone was reading out loud, I, instead of love is patient, I would know that I'm called, Boog is patient, I'm called to be patient. Love is kind. Boog is called to be kind. So put your name in wherever you hear love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. If you need prayer for that, we, we have our prayer corner over here outside. On the other side, there'll be people out there to pray with you. If you just need to be prayed over, if you need to be prayed for because you need to be kind, <laughs> if you need to pray because uh, you have to go and talk to someone else, and ask for their forgiveness, or if you need to go and talk with someone else because they didn't protect you or trust you, and you need to let go of that, then let someone pray over you and let's ask God's perfect love to cast out that fear. Uh, the offering will go by if uh, you're part of the church, you know how it works, um, and if you're visiting, you can drop your connection card there.